Dun, dun, dun. I tell you, that one gets me pumped up every time I watch it. Hey. <laughs> Probably should work on my first thing I say after that video, like, good morning, church. So I don't know. Whatever. Hope everybody's okay today. And if you're not, you're fitting to be. How about that? Speaking in faith, we're going to have a message of encouragement. It's my hope and prayer that it changes lives today from the inside out. Hmm. I saw some stuff in studying this that I've never seen before, which typically happens. But this stuff is like mind-blowing type of stuff. So I can't wait to share it with you. But I first need to take a moment and testify. I've had a good weekend. And God has proven once again that he is the God of the promise, the God of surprises. And this at Greater Life Church is the year of the promise. In the beginning of the year, we spent a week of prayer together and many of you that were there were able to write down promises that you were believing God for and you laid them across the stage here, and we prayed about them all week, and now they're sitting in a basket in our prayer room. These promises that you've been praying for and believing for and hoping for and haven't yet seen. Well, on my year of the promise, I wrote down a couple of things, and one of them had to do with an estranged brother that I have not had a relationship with for the past almost Seven years, really, six and a half years. But this is the year of the promise. And so this brother who lives out of state, I'll just tell you a little bit more of the story because it's cool. You want to know a little more? So many of you know, for those of you that don't, uh, Grace is expecting a child in August and... Uh, this is my first grandbaby. And this first grandbaby is already anointed of the Lord and doing great things. And so, as we announced to the family what was going on, made the calls, told everybody excited about what was happening, a brother who I had not talked to, who Kelly had not talked to for seven almost years at all, he and I have exchanged tanks. Uh, texts a couple of times. We FaceTimed him, told him the good news, and had such a great conversation. As soon as we hung up, I texted him, hey, we've got some extra rooms if you want to come visit. To my shock and surprise, I'd love to. Let's set a date. Well, that date was this past weekend. And he came and we cried together, we prayed together, we went and saw Jesus Revolution together. I'm telling you, God is a God who keeps his promise and a God of miracles. And this past weekend, walls fell in my family 
as a brother that I had not seen or talked to is now reunited. To God be the glory for that. And it built my faith, and I wanted to build your faith that he keeps his promises. So expect it. I was also challenged as I was watching Jesus Revolution, this movie, which by the way, it's required reading at Greater Life Church. If you have not seen it, you are missing it. It is an amazing film. Take tissue with you. Them popcorn napkins are too rough on the nose. Take some tissue with you. (laughs) I know from experience. (laughs) The pastors in that day and age did not know what to do with the hippies. They didn't. And so they closed their doors in many cases. They did not know how to minister to this group of people that were searching for the truth. And all it took was one pastor and one hippie to join forces to see revival break out. So church, I wanna challenge you. Are you ready to be uncomfortable to see revival? Because this pastor is saying right now that that door is open. And the people that we're uncomfortable with today look very different from the hippies of yesteryear. These people have gender and sexual issues. These people have a list of things that they've struggled with from even childhood. Are you truly ready to love these people of all shapes, sizes, and backgrounds that would come into our church? Are you truly ready? to be uncomfortable, as I'm sure Jesus' disciples were on many occasions for love, to love everyone created in the image of God. Because I believe if we're ready, we stand at the edge of revival. Amen? The message will not change. The word will not change because I believe it is the power unto salvation. The year of the promise, I believe, is going to turn out to be pretty exciting. I want to testify further and tell you a couple of things. About a month ago, we launched two campuses, one in East Charlotte and one in Waxhaw. We have another campus in Locust, and there's testimonies that are beginning to flow in from what God is doing at these other Greater Life Church locations. I got a message from Pastor Anthony, who's over at the East Charlotte Mora, we call it, Monroe Road Advocates. It's right in front of East Mech. And he texted me, he said, you know, Pastor, a couple of weeks ago, we had a lady come in. If I get the story correct, it was with her grandchild, and her grandchild had a a, a litany, a list of physical issues everything from Tourette's and seizures and the doctors didn't know what to call it because it had all of these different ailments and all these different symptoms and yet it wasn't one thing that they could figure out and so they brought this child in to this brand new church for prayer. And he texts me that as of Thursday night when they have their family night, they were able to see this child again and the grandmother to testify that God has completely and totally healed him. Amen. 
You see, the doctors didn't know what it was, but God did, and God moved. We've already seen salvations at these campuses. We've already seen rededications and lives being changed from the inside out. We've seen the Holy Spirit drawing people both to those campuses and to here. The, <laughs> the promise of the Lord is happening before our very eyes. Pastor Daniel Haskett, who, camp, who pastors our Locust Campus, is going to two services next week because they just don't have any room. Amen. There are 250 people that call Greater Life Church Locust home, but the more exciting part is they went out there with about 25 and 30. That means there's about 225 brand new people that have found a church home at Greater Life Locust. Amen. Here's their testimony. We have a lease to own contract with the property that they're meeting in. It sits on about 10 acres. And the contract's coming up this year. A, a company has come in, they wanna buy a portion of it, but they don't need it all. And so they began to negotiate because we write of refusal. So if we say, no, we wanna get it, then we, they have to get us to say yes. Somebody was smart, put that in there at the beginning. Anyway. <laughs> So we began to negotiate, and this company said, okay, how about we buy our part and you buy your part, and the price per acre is the same. We just kind of split it. Well, Daniel went back, and uh, as we talked about it, he, he said, you know, this, this isn't a good idea. How about, how about we send them a letter and make them pay more for their acres than we pay for our acres? I'm like, bro, do it. Do it. Come on. You, they can't say no until you ask, you know? So we fashioned this letter. And then at the end of the letter, say, well, we just might buy it all if y'all aren't interested. <laughs> that was a faith statement. Anyway, um, they called in the executives and the planning team. Like, they came back to us in a couple of weeks and said, all right, listen, give us your last and best offer. So I think they thought we were gonna go down but we actually went up more. And so we said, okay, how about y'all buy this much and then we pay the rest for our property. In the course of that negotiation in one week, we were able to negotiate to our benefit one million more dollars. If God ain't the God of promise and I don't know what, So they're paying a whole lot more for their piece than we're paying for ours, but to God be the glory for that. This is the year of the promise. I can't even tell you how expectant I am for what's next. The year of the promise. The promise that people will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, healed by His power, saved and set free. We come on the heels of a week where we were able to baptize in water 14 precious souls. I cannot wait to see what's next. Friends, I wanna encourage you, whether you've been here for a while or you just got here, you're not gonna wanna miss what's next. The year of the promise brings us the promise of covering. 
Today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 19 at the beginning, but I want to first draw your attention to the title of today's message, The Wonder. The Wonder. It's the only word that can describe this amazing story that we find in Exodus, Mount Sinai, where God comes down and meets with his people. In Exodus chapter 19, in the very beginning, I don't think we have this in there. Do we have the verse 3? And Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to Egypt. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. From, all, from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. It's a good reminder that God owns it all, amen? And he wants to set us apart for his goodness. He wants to do something so amazing, so outstanding, that it could only be described as wonder. The promise of covering is there as God says, I've protected you from your enemies. I've brought you to myself. I've covered you like eagles' wings. I've carried you through this. The promise of covering is about position. Before I go any further, everything we're talking about today is about being positioned so God can and will cover you. There's an illustration that I grew up learning when it comes to the covering of God and obedience is that if you have an umbrella and you go out in the rain and you have the umbrella over your head, then you're covered from the rain. But if you choose to walk outside from that outside of that umbrella, then you'll get rained on. And many times we choose by our actions, by what we do, by what we say, we choose to create distance between us and God by being disobedient, and then something bad happens. And we have the audacity to turn around and blame God. And God is saying, I've given you a covering if you'll only walk in that covering, if you'll only position yourself in obedience, I will care for you. Pray with me real quick. Lord, thank you for today. Already. May you bless our time. May you communicate through me. An imperfect vessel who needs your help. Holy Spirit, speak. For we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at the wonder of God found in Exodus chapter 19, I want to also begin with this statement. God is telling them that I brought you, I brought you out, I've carried you this far, and sometimes we feel that God may have forgotten about us. But something that's always been an encouragement to me is that God has not brought you this far to leave you here. Amen. If he has blessed you, pulled you, ministered to you up to this point in your life, then why do we think sometimes that we are now being discarded? Because the scriptures make it clear that he who began, say began, 
a good work in you is faithful and just to carry it to completion. He is not done with you yet. We can thank God for that. Exodus chapter 19, number one on your note sheets, the wonder of covenant. The wonder of covenant. Covenant is relationship. Covenant is promises. Covenant is give and take. So God says, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, in verse 6, here's the promise. We're going to call it activation. Verse 6, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to, to the people of Israel. So Moses returned to the mountain, from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. The people said, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Jesus said as he was teaching that you are either for me or against me. That there is a sense of all in when you have a relationship with God. Can I tell you that it was no mistake that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one, say no one, can come to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no other way. There is not a partial end. There is no riding the fence. There is no lukewarm. You are either serving the Lord God Almighty or you are not. And God is promising us here his promise to the children of Israel that is reaffirmed in the New Testament that we have a calling, a setting apart to be a holy nation before the Lord, to be different than the world. The people say, we will do everything you've commanded. They did not have the luxury at this time in history to go back to their tents and study their Bible. Certainly, there was the beginnings of some writings called the Book of the Covenant, but they couldn't turn to the Scriptures and figure out how they were supposed to proceed in every way. And so they had something in Moses that gave them instructions and directions. You and I have today the power of the Holy Spirit that speaks to us from within. It's something also called revelation. I can tell you that God's desire is to speak into your situation. I can tell you that he can use the word of God to give you clarity in the situation that you might be in. But he can also give you specific and special revelation for that specific problem, that specific issue. Let's just take, for example, you're having a decision at work that you need to go to the right or go to the left. Well, you probably, you may not be able to turn to um, work relations, right or left, uh, you know, second chapter. I mean, I don't know. 
But I know God can give you peace and give you guidance and give you direction. But let me also tell you, friend, that revelation from God will never contradict the word of God, ever. Amen? Activation. So they say, we will do everything you command, not just in part. They want to align with what God is saying. The second thing we're going to see in the word wonder of the covenant is consecration. Verse 10. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day for on that day the Lord will come down on the mountain, uh, come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people. Be careful. Don't go up to the mountain and even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or the animal that crosses that boundary. And this is getting scary for me. I don't know about you. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. Guys, I'm reading this, and this is how my mind thinks. Not only am I not going to touch the mountain, but I'm moving my tent further away from the mountain. Like, you know what? I'm too close. I don't want to even risk it. Because somebody's house cat wanders over to the mountain and then comes over to me and does that thing on your leg. You know what I'm talking about? I got arrows flying. I'm like, no, not worth it. I'm moving out. <laughs> Give me some distance. This is certainly extreme. It certainly is aggressive. But what it does is it makes a clear consecration. It makes it pretty serious to know that we have to take the presence of God seriously. The people didn't just walk up willy-nilly to the mountain of God. I feel like going to touch the mountain. Doesn't matter how you feel, this is the presence of the living God. You've got to have a fear and a respect for who God is. Can I tell you it's been forgotten? It's been forgotten. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But you know what it also does for me, at least, is it makes the cross so much more powerful in my heart. To, to know that Jesus died so I don't have to worry about a house cat or arrows. I can walk into the presence of God and be in the holy of holies and experience his presence because of Jesus' sacrifice. You see, because I may not be able to consecrate and to cleanse myself enough, but the blood of Jesus has made me worthy to be in his presence. Thirdly, under the wonder of covenant is the separation Separation, verse 21 through 25. Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves. 
so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people can't come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off the boundaries. All around the mountain is set it apart as holy. But the Lord God said, uh, but the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through to approach the Lord or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. Listen, it's repetitive. Why? Even Moses had already told them. And God's saying, tell them again. Why? Because while God draws very clear lines of black and white and right and wrong, God is also still merciful. Amen? Boundaries that were put in place here were not to, they were put in place to protect, not to prohibit. It's not like God was trying to keep them from something special and something fun. God knew that there must be a boundary, there must be a marker, there must be a process for people to approach for their own protection, for their own good. If anybody's driven on 485 lately, we realize there are boundaries to keep you from driving into the road-making machinery. It's not like DOT put up those cones because they want to keep you from having fun going off in the ditch. Are you with me? Sometimes we look at the things in Scripture and we look at the things even our parents used to tell us as boundaries, like, oh, you're just keeping me from having fun. No, God is protecting you. I remember when I was in, uh, we were in Springfield, Missouri. I was going to Bible college out there and we were driving one day to Branson, uh, Missouri. And there was a lot of construction going on. And I remember one time, that uh, as I was driving, I chose the wrong side of the cones. It was confusing, all right? So it was one of those things like this, and I, and I went there, and, and, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but the cones are there because on the other side of the cones, there's no road. But the funnier part about it is I had my buddy following me, and he followed me right up. <laughs> And so we're going, oh, 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 my goodness. And Kelly's going, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, oh. So I jerk back over onto the road. And then when we finally come to a stop, my friend's like, dude. <laughs> Sorry, man. But those boundaries are there to protect, not to prohibit. There's another story I won't get into today where I may have gone into one of the medians in Indian Trail. But we won't talk about that. I'm a good driver. <laughs> the wonder of covenant, there's an activation, a consecration, a separation that takes place within the covenant. Number two, the wonder of the law. The wonder of the law. Far too often there is something in the New Testament church and in some circles that says the law doesn't apply to us. Well, Jesus didn't say that he, has, he was throwing out the law. He came to fulfill it. And so for you and I, the Ten Commandments, remember, are the basis of moral law. And anyone says any different are mistaken. 
This is the foundation upon which our very nation is built. Ten Commandments. There's a structure to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, 1 through 18. There's a building on one another. There's a relationship that we begin to see. And God, in His wonder, gave the law, the Ten Commandments. It starts, number one through four, with how humans are to interact to God. No other God before me, no idols, no graven images. Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. One through four are these humans to God interactions. We also have the Sabbath and keeping it holy, the principle of rest. And then in number five, it's the pivot point. It's honor your father and mother. It's the only commandment with a promise that if you do this, you'll live long. I'm looking around in our church today, God bless you. There's some that clearly honored their mother and father very well. <laughs> we got one turning 90, I think it's in a couple of weeks. She must have honored her mother and father really, really, really well. Number six through 10 is the interaction between people, human to human interaction. You see, God in one place in Scripture laid out these clear lines of delineation, these clear ways to interact. It's the wonder of the law. And guys, everything from these 10 commandments flows into the rest of the law and the Scriptures. There's a building on one another. You see, the bottom line is this, is that if we learn how to interact with God, then we know then how to interact with our parents, which also shows us that we know now how to interact with one another. If you don't get one right, you're going to miss the others. Amen? Your priority is your relationship with God. Secondly, the wonder of the law, I have here community. 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 In the Old Testament, there are many texts and many scriptures that talk about slavery. There's also a lot of information about how to operate and to treat one another when something is done or there's wrongdoing that's happened, whether it's intentional or even accidental. I don't have enough time to go through all of this, but I want to invite you back. Wednesday night, I'm going to talk about the wonder of the law in regards to community at family night this week. And moving to Exodus chapter 23, we look at justice, the wonder of the law. I'm going to read a few things, and, and maybe you could just meditate on this idea that if people today would just follow these principles, our world would be a better place. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 23, you must not pass along false rumors. You ever been lied on? You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You know the bridge that everybody's jumping off. You're not supposed to jump off it too. When you're called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. And do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey 
that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. Now, I don't know how many of you have encountered your neighbor's donkey this past week in the neighborhood. The principles here are true. That irregardless how you feel about someone, you are to be leaning in to help and to support. Jesus said it best, as he always does. Pray for those that hurt you. Love your enemies. Amen? If anybody has ever helped a neighbor with a donkey, just come see me after. I just want to hear the story. I just want to know. I don't know if it still happens. Do these people still ride horses in Mint Hill? I remember when we first moved down here, let people just trotting along 51 on a horse. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Farm town, you know? Anyway, nothing to do with, uh, sorry. <laughs> Where was I? Justice, okay, here we go. Verse seven. <laughs> Verse six, in a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor. Be sure never to charge anyone falsely with evil. Never sentence an innocent or blameless person to death. For I never declare a guilty person to be innocent. Take no bribes. Lord, help us. For a bribe makes you ignore something you clearly see. A bribe makes even a righteous person twist the truth. You must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And it goes on with some other very good principles. The Sabbath, it talks about resting on the seventh day. Number three, the wonder of God's glory. This is my favorite part of the message, and yet I have the least amount of time the truth is going to resonate with us, I believe. The wonder of God's glory. In Exodus chapter 24, we see an amazing story where Moses goes up to the mountain. Get my finger in another passage of scripture, excuse me. <laughs> Ooh, I forgot about that one bookmark the wonder of God's glory in verse 3 it says Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him all the people answered in one voice we will do everything the Lord has commanded this is the glory of God's word that they will do everything that he has commanded verse 7 then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people again they all responded we will do everything the lord has commanded we will obey it's not going to take us long to discover next week as we find out that the israelites were saying we're going to obey we're going to do everything he's commanded and then they turn around and guess what don't <laughs> But now, it's a yes, it's an it's a affirmation, it's a commitment. And the glory of God's word has overtaken them. And they say, yes, we want to follow all of these commands. And then we find in verse 9, the glory of fellowship. 
The Bible tells us that Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. Catch this. There they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue, lapis lazuli, as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. I begin to think, God is outside of space and time. We live in a very linear mindset. I live today, and then tomorrow I live another day, and then I live another day. And, and did you know that, that, that God is not limited to time the way we are? As a matter of fact, not only is God outside of space and time, but he, he sees the end from the beginning. And according to Colossians, Jesus holds it all together from beginning to end. In the beginning was the Word. He was there. And I begin to think, where did we find a covenant meal with God? And I thought to myself, could it be that these elders somehow supernaturally were in a different time? And I found in Revelation 19, 7, let us be glad and rejoice let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. Could it be somehow that the God who can be in two places at one time can have two times in one place? You'll get it later. I'm still chewing on it. I'm still sitting here thinking, God, could you, could you do something that amazing? And my conviction is, who am I to doubt God? <laughs> that the throne that is described is the throne that is described in Revelation 4, where they're worshiping and the elders are around the throne. Could it be that they catch a glimpse, like John, the revelator, of things yet to come? The glory of fellowship. Finally, the glory of covering. Verse 12. I'm going to read this slowly and I want you just to kind of lean in. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there. And I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out. And Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us to come back. Aaron and her are here with you, and anyone who has a dispute while I'm gone can consult with them. Verse 15. Then Moses climbed up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled 
on the mountain. The cloud covered it for six days, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. He remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Could it be that the same way that God can put can be in two places at the same time could, is the God who could put two times in one place. Something very important happened in Jesus' ministry. He fasted and prayed for 40 days, 40 nights. Goliath stood at a distance and ridiculed the Israelites for 40 days. Elijah, the prophet, ran from Jezebel for 40 days. Nineveh had been given 40 days to repent. Could it be that the one who holds it all together while fasting and praying wasn't just praying for you sitting here today, but was interceding for what was happening upon that mountain at the same time? He's outside of time and he's outside of space. He's not limited like we are. The Holy Spirit is moving among time and space. Could it be that the God who planted you here in this auditorium knows your end from your beginning, has put you on a path, and knows exactly the outcome? Could it be that if you just stay covered and in His presence, that you'll truly see the glory of God transpire in your own life. There were 70 elders that went up with Moses to have fellowship with God, to eat a meal literally in front of the throne. And then something interesting happened. Moses told the elders to stay here, but the Bible just told us that Joshua stayed with him. His assistant, his servant, stayed with him. Could it be that Joshua was able to see things that only Moses was seeing? Could it be that as Joshua was in the covering, God himself was preparing him to lead into the promised land? Proximity makes a big difference in your relationship with God. You see, Jesus is always right there. He never changes he never forsakes us. But friends, make no mistake. You can turn your back on him. You can walk away from him. You can create distance from him. The story of the prodigal son is simple. There was a son that left the covering of his father. He ran away to do his own thing. And the Bible says when things got bad, he came to his senses and he ran home. And his father welcomed him. I've been praying for almost seven years to hug my brother again. 
And I can guarantee you what he experienced when he visited was an embrace of love, a running to him. It challenged me. Don't ever let me be the one who pushes them away. You see, the Israelites couldn't come near the mountain or they would die until something happened. (laughs) Something happened. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. The sound, the sound of heaven is when you open up your mouth and and fail to stay silent, you will no longer be quiet. But that person you've been praying for needs you to open your mouth and say, I love you. Jesus loves you. When the church is silent, the devil wins. Every time. Bow your heads. If you're here today, you've created distance between you and Jesus. You've pulled away, decided that you wanted to do it on your own. You need to pray with somebody today and reaffirm that. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God at all, you need to pray with somebody today and change that. There's room at the cross for you. So if you're here, you want to make that commitment and you know right now your heart is jumping out of your chest. Stand right now, right where you are. Stand. Stand. Come on, stand. I'll wait. Lord, I pray right now that every obstacle would be removed. (laughs) That your grace would abound. In Jesus' name. Wait about five more seconds. If you'd like for me to pray for you today, stand right where you are. Pastor, I've not lived for the Lord and I need to commit to him. Thank you. Anybody else right now, quickly. If you're near him, stand next to him. Put your arm around him. Quickly. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, I thank you for this day, for your goodness, for your grace. Today, God, we give unto you our best. Like the people of Israel that declare they will do everything that you command. I pray that our hearts 
would be willing to say the same thing, that to invite someone to church is just a simple invitation. But the end result of that, oh God, could change eternity. So today, even right now, may a name come into our minds. Who are you calling us to? And Lord, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise as we experience the harvest of what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.